Welcome back to the Weekly Harvest Podcast. Here we go, episode number 64. How you doing this week? Welcome to the Weekly Harvest. I'm the Director of Game Day Operations, Community Relations with Brandon Wee Kings, Chris Falco. Joined here with the radio voice, the Wee Kings, Mr. Rob Mann. Rob, how are you? Doing pretty well, thanks, Chris. Glad to be back on. Glad to be getting up and running. Going to be the last time we do this in person for a while. It, it is, it is. And then joining us here this week, right off the bat, we're not going to, you know, do our own little thing for a bit because we just we we couldn't wait any longer. We we had to talk to our good friend, the iceberg himself, Perry Bergson. Perry, how are you? I'm good. We've got some records to set straight on Fred and Barney. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's maybe we just get right off onto the bat and just start talking about the dogs then. I mean, it's fitting. It's apropos. We've got our pucks and paws night coming up tomorrow, so yeah. we can't even say this is off messaging anymore. No, not at all. Not at all. We can always talk about Fred and Barney. So let's 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 set the record straight, boys. I think I knew my German shepherds were not Pomeranians when I picked them up. I think I might have had some sense of that. We actually talked about it, my wife and I, in the car on the way back from meeting them for the first time going oh my goodness those are not palms <laughs> so you finally caught up on the podcast then is what you're saying i did uh, so yeah. we gotta be careful how much smack we talk one of these days like who else have we been dumping on here was scooter i feel like his name's been pardon the expression thrown under the bus once or twice yeah that's nothing new for him though so i don't know if he'd even realize that uh, he, he'd be a cunning revenge artist though i feel like he'd be a dangerous <laughs> enemy to have well, Parrot, we are very uh, grateful that you, uh, you stopped on by today and joined us here on this week's edition. Uh, we wanted to get you on this week because it has been a bit of a wild start to the season. There's been a lot of different storylines that we've all been trying to follow. And here we are already going into game number five. And then the guys are gone for like two and a half weeks on the on the annual U.S. Uh, West Coast trip. So uh, through the first four games, we have seen, like I said, a lot of storylines. Right off the bat, what are some that have come to mind for you that you've uh, you, you that you, you just stuck out? I think one of the big ones, obviously, was Matt Henry coming back to the team when we thought that he was going to retire and drive truck. This is not your normal 19-year-old. For people who have not met him, he's a very focused young man. He was one of the hearts of the dressing room last year. So that's one of the big ones for me. You had two free agents come in and make the team. I can't think of another free agent since Gunnar Wegleitner who made it here. And uh, you got uh, Trey Fouquet and uh, Hayden Wedden. That was interesting to me. You had the Wheat Kings picking up Jaden Weens and trading Dawson Pasternak. That was a, an interesting move to me. There's been a lot of stuff. It just seems like there's days where I go, okay, what am I going to write about today? And something comes out of the universe from the Brandon Wheat Kings. And you and I talked a bit before I officially started at this job. You had spoken about what kind of person Matt Henry was and about how easy he was to deal with from a press perspective. And you get a sense for who those guys are, the really good talkers are. One guy that we've both agreed we're really enjoying dealing with, Jaden Weens. Absolutely. He's another one of those guys uh, that's 20, kind of going on 40. Sometimes these kids are, when they come in, are 16 going on 13. And sometimes they're 18 or 19 going on 40. Uh, Jake Chason was a guy like that. He was just an, always an old soul when he was here. But Jaden Weens is terrific. He's a great talker. He did lots of media in Saskatoon. So he's kind of a, accustomed to it. Uh, and Matt Henry, I don't think that talking to the media necessarily is always going to be his favorite thing. But he's a very, very, like just one-on-one, -on -one, he's a great young man. 
came up to me and introduced himself actually his first uh, first game with the team and you can tell right away this is a personable guy this is a friendly guy and if you want to get a sense of what he does in the locker room because everybody knows about the physical side that's there for all to see you want to get a sense of what he does in the locker room watch the teammates practice around him he scores a goal everybody goes nuts something big happens in practice he's leading the cheers everybody's got a bigger smile on their face with matt henry around there is a palpable presence with him in that locker room that first practice he was back, they were doing kind of a, a drill where two guys would skate against each other and whoever got the puck was on the breakaway and the other guy was trying to stop him. Well, Matt picks up the puck and wouldn't you know it, he scores. Well, it was like they had just won the Ed Schnauth Cup. There were celebrations everywhere, smiles, guys laughing. That's what kind of teammate he was. I think probably if you talk to those guys, he was one of the heart and soul guys in that room last year. His presence was immediately felt when he took to the ice for the first time here uh, on uh, on uh, on Wednesday night. It was a game that got a little uh, away from the Wheat Kings for, for other reasons, uh, but you could tell that even on his first couple of shifts, there was an audible buzz in the crowd, right? So the guys on the bench were excited, but as soon as he hit the ice, you could just hear the fans starting to murmur underneath the press box, and the first couple of hits, the ooh, oh started back up and it was oh yeah okay people are invested in this kid my favorite part of that was you have two fights that night and one of them is one of your five nine 150 pound forwards <laughs> yeah. while matt henry watches from the bench Jaden weens of course we were talking about that actually off the record a little bit ago the wheat kings up to nine fights now in the year i think that might be more than some teams get this season matt henry has zero of them strange uh, to see uh you know last week when we did the podcast we Heard rumblings about, you know, about Matt returning to the team at that point. Uh, we couldn't just flat out, you know, come on and say anything because up, up until he actually even got here on Saturday, it was right in time for the uh, pregame ceremony that we did. It was truth and reconciliation. Uh, a really nice moment, I felt, when we had at center ice Tyson LaVenture from the Swift Current Broncos and then from the Wee Kings, it was uh, Trey Fiquette. Uh, Nolan Flamin, Carson Bjarnason, and then introducing Matt Henry. So all the players who have uh, indigenous roots to be a part of that. And when we introduced Matt and he got there in time for the game, even that reception of the crowd, he uh, told our game staff members, he told Casey after, that was one of the most nervous moments he's been in this building. So for him, you know, who's been in all these like high pressure, you know, like that we would think this high pressure situations sometimes, or you know, at least like in the in the midst of, uh, of of all that passion, for him just walking out there and the spotlight on him walking on a carpet was uh, was a lot. But it was so good, and like I said, he see the fans to get him back. It uh, it just all all felt right. And that video that we uh, produced and put out last week. I don't think in my entire, this is my 10th season with the Wee Kings and in hockey, like 15, 16 years now. I can't think of one other thing that uh, when I made and we put it out there, I got the response like that video did. It was uh, instant too. Like people were on that thing right away and they were pumped. It was pretty awesome. But uh, I've always wanted to make like a wrestling inspired promo. And that I just straight up made like an Undertaker promo. <laughs> That's what we did. I made an Undertaker like Bray Wyatt kind of promo and uh, and people seemed to like it. But it was a lot of fun. There's not many guys you could do that for in the league. Like Matt Henry is one of just one of those characters. Here's something interesting that happened before the game that nobody would have seen. And you guys wouldn't even know this story. Matt was standing where the Wheat Kings come out. And he had arrived, and nobody from this team had seen him. 
And I was taking pictures that game, so I was down there. So I saw him, and I came over, shook his hand, we chatted. And the coaching staff came out, and he went up the stairs. And there was long, emotional might be the wrong word, but really warm hugs with all the coaching staff on the stairs there. Uh, it was just neat to see. They were genuinely happy to see him, and he was genuinely happy to see them. It's something that I think is going to work out for this team in the long run. And the timing of that, too. I mean, we just spoke about the fact the team is about to go on the road for two weeks. You get a glue guy like that back, a guy that revered in that locker room comes back right before you're about to go on the road. Timing could hardly have been better. Uh, there was also a, uh, a moment where I guess the players also didn't know Matt was going to be there in time for the pregame ceremony. So uh, when uh, I, I, this last game, uh, we had Kane Sadra Kang on the bench interview during warmups, and Brody asked him about you know what that meant for Matt to be back. And he mentioned in the interview, Caden did, that the players didn't know he was going to be at center ice for that face-off. So when we introduced him and he walked out, it was a surprise to them as well. So they were all hooting and hollering. And I watched back the clip, and you can kind of see their faces on the bench. They all kind of brighten up a little bit. So Caden actually mentioned that to me when I talked to him the next day, that uh, oh. he found that a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so the games this uh, this last week, it was a, a tale of two different efforts, really, uh, against the same Swift Current Bronco club. But it was a victory on Saturday night, followed by a loss on Wednesday. I think a lot of the big talk uh, coming out of the game, Perry, on Wednesday was the lack of sustained pressure is what ended up costing the team. That last 40 minutes was pretty terrible. And actually, it was like the first 10 or 12, 13 minutes of the first game. You know, Brandon was leading 2-1 to one in the first game, the game they ended up winning 6-3, to three, and they were just being outplayed quite quite soundly, wouldn't you say, Rob? I mean, they got a goal 42 seconds in from Caden Sadri Kang, and you always wonder, okay, is that going to take the wind out of the other team's sails? The case in this one, clearly not. Swift Current had the better of play. The reason the Wheat Kings were still up one nothing by the time they got to the point where they were able to get that second goal by Peter on the man advantage was because Carson Bjarnason was doing so well in net. I think the Broncos at one point were out shooting them 13-5 to or something along those lines, and the zone time was even more decisive than that. And Marty Murray alluded to that in his postgame. He said, you know, once we got through that first 10 minutes, we were fine. First 10 minutes were not fine. We were under siege a little bit. Yeah, the shots were 10-1 to at one point. That's And the, the one shot was the one goal, of course, and that came right. 42 seconds in. So it's always funny how that happens. A team scores a goal early and you think to yourself, oh boy, this could get out of hand. And then often that's the opposite's the case. I think that what that, the second game, the 6-2 to loss showed, you know, this is a team that could score. This is a Brandon team, obviously, that scored 29 goals in six games. But they've given up 28. And you just have to be better in your own end. Because, fellas, you know, no matter how the season goes, if you make the playoffs you're not going to win. You're not going to go far in the playoffs winning 6-5 games because everybody tightens up. You have to have your defensive game in hand, and right now they seem to still be struggling in their own end. Two words that Marty Murray used after the game when he was talking to me, and he may have used them with, with you as well, were preventable and lazy. Those were two words that came up a couple of times. He said they were lazy on some of their plays, and that led to taking penalties because if you're lazy, you don't get body position and... Guys beat you to loose pucks. That's when you take penalties like chopping the stick out of a guy's hands or hooking him or something along, along those lines. And that's where the word preventable comes in because the penalties that led to the two kind of back-breaking goals against the Weekings were preventable penalties. And it's, as, as outplayed as they were, they were going into the second intermission down 3-2. 
you can turn that around. Junior hockey, a one-goal lead is not safe. A three-goal lead is not safe. We've seen that numerous times this year. But they went in with a one-goal disadvantage, and within the first couple minutes of the third period, the penalty kill, unfortunately, had put them even further behind the eight ball. So you've learned, if you're the Wheat Kings, that, yeah, momentum can swing. You need to make sure it swings your way, and you need to work to do that. The funny thing about that penalty kill that they got scored on early in the third, it was a fantastic kill until it wasn't. You know, the puck was not in Brandon's end at all. And then you get that uh, really beautiful, actually, slap pass from the blue line to the side of the net. It's a tip and, and the puck's in. And that's the first chance they had on that power play. And they, they buried it. Funny thing was, the Wheat Kings power play goal by Brett Hyland was a similar circumstance. Like, that shot by Hyland was the first chance that unit had gotten. It was a howitzer of a shot. Brett Hyland clearly been spending some time watching Ovi at practice. But that was the first real shot on goal they had. And it only takes one. And that's something that, again, Marty brought up in the in the postgame there was it only takes one bad mistake for things to end up in the back of your net when you're dealing with players that skilled. And those mistakes have so far not been on the Wheat King goaltenders. The, for the most part, the, goal, the amount of goals that have gone in that you could blame the goalies, we, we could probably count on one hand. Uh, it has been a lot of the you know cross crease passes. It's that. It's the passes to the side of the net. It's been the you know the the deflection goals, getting into those dirty areas and, and just making it work. Um, it's it's been through no fault. Like Carson Bjarnason had a fine game on Saturday night. Ethan Eskett, for a guy who had six goals scored against him, but the fans obviously saw what he did. He was still voted as the hardest working player of the game which I loved. I loved seeing him skate out the end and getting at least a little recognition because he did have a good game. And it's not a lot of times that you could say that a goalie scored, uh, you know, six goals against and people still wanted to, you know, recognize him. You could probably put one of those goals on him. Multiple, That's it. Multiple breakaways against, one of only one of which goes in. And one of the ones he stopped was Josh Fillman for crying out loud. Fresh off a 47-goal season. Eskett was good. And if you're the Wheat Kings... And you know Bjarnason's going to be good. That's pretty well established by now. If Ethan Eskett's going to take the torch and run with it as a backup goaltender, you're able to go, hey, backup goalie problem solved. We're on to the next issue, whatever that may be. I think the thing that I noticed the most is, well, first of all, he's got a terrific glove hand. How many mm. glove hand saves did he make that yep. game? Four or five at, at least. least. Yep. Yeah. But the other thing that impresses me is how he battles because there was a lot of traffic in front of his net, and he was finding ways – to get eyes on it because in today's game it's all backdoor plays and shooting through traffic and you know loading up the front of the net as a goalie that, that's hard to stop if you're not really kind of fighting your way through and he's a smaller goalie as well you know he's five foot ten compared to Bjarnas and six foot four so he's got that that to work against but he does work against it. He works very well. He's been great for the Wheat Kings this year, I've thought. He's also been solid just with his puck handling skills. There was one play last game where the puck was coming on down, and we've seen this numerous times when the puck has enough you know, momentum, the goalie will play it either off the boards or around the rim and stop the puck there for his defender. But he was able to stop it right before the no-touch trapezoid area, play it back to himself, like almost like a little, you know, hooked to the puck and then got it right back to his defender. This little just thing, but he had that while the player was coming in on him. And I was like, you know, that's the poise that normally you see on like a 19-year-old goalie who has had a couple years in the league, feels comfortable, but he felt comfortable in that spot and it led to a great breakout. Here's a Wheat Kings handling the puck story Uh-oh. about a goalie. <laughs> I remember watching Ron Hextall with the Flyers one time when he was in Winnipeg 
and he was one of the last guys to leave the ice. And fellas, he took the puck and just wristed it and put it over the other net. It looked like it was Andre Dawson making a throw from center field to third base. This puck was on an absolute line. And I'm thinking, he might have the best shot on that team. <laughs> Some of his teammates might have agreed with you on that one. That's Usually, awesome. by the way, when someone says, here's a story about a goalie handling the puck, it doesn't end quite that favorably. No, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that one. No, he, well, everybody knows how well he could yeah. shoot the puck. It was, my jaw dropped. Seeing it in person, yeah. I think we noticed in the black and gold game, too, that Ethan Eskett does like to handle the puck. If you're a goaltender and you're going to handle the puck, I think you've got to take some pride in it. Seems like he does. Uh, on the uh, on on that front, the goal that we or the save, I should say, the 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 goal that he stopped that we uh, chose for the uh, the save of the game, it was another one of those glove saves. We probably had three or four of those from the game. Like I said, we we could have chosen, but that one, the rip from the point and then to use the glove. Not get all of it, but the way that even he handled the rebound in front and that puck control, uh, again, for, for, for his age, what he's showing so far this year, you got to be pretty, pretty comfortable with him in a backup role. Um, so if the team can just find a way to mitigate you know, some of the pucks going in, you mentioned, Perry, about the fact that you, you can't win games like that in the playoffs, right? But at the same time, this team, in terms of putting the puck in the net, it reminds me, not putting pressure on them, but... It reminds me a lot closer, finally, to that 2015-16 team where it seemed like every week it was either a Smitty 7 goal or a this, you know, 6 goal. Uh, our sponsors this year, between now we've got the Heritage Co-op 4, which is the you save 4 cents off every liter of gas with 4 goals, and the OJ's 5, 50% off appetizers when the Wheat Kings score 5. Uh, we've now hit those a couple times already. I'm hoping we hit them a whole lot more this year because the goal scoring has been the one huge positive and not coming from just a couple of guys. It's coming from most of the guys. For sure. Hey, was it the 15-16 season that killed the uh, pretty much the, the breakfast promotion because pretty they much. did it so many times? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we're going to talk about that in the pod, might as well pull back that curtain. Yeah, they. there was a one point during that season where there was like a three-week stretch where they were still accepting because it was seven days from the game. So we'd play on a Friday. They'd score like eight goals. So Saturday it would start. Then we play like the Wednesday the next week, score another you know seven plus. Then we play again on the uh, Friday Saturday, score another seven plus. So it was like a two week three week span where literally Smitty's would constantly be <laughs> taking tickets and doing uh, you know those breakfasts. Uh, it was yeah tens of thousands of dollars in breakfast that year. It was a crazy promotion, but people loved it, right? And I mean, if they still talk about it, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's something that we'd love to bring back at, at some point because it was a whole lot of fun. I love our four and five though what we're doing, but yeah, if we can get a six or a seven again, um, people would be talking about it. And three times already this year, the team has had six different goal scorers in a game. Yeah, so it's it's coming back, and we came we keep coming back to this. I talked about the fact that the team has nine fights and none of them are Matt Henry. We have all these goal scorers. None of them are Nate Danielson. And when he comes back, what does this team look like? Because isn't, isn't it just a little absurd to see the other team sending their third line out to play against the Wheat Kings' third line and Brett Highland is out there? He's been taking advantage of that a little bit at times. It is a mismatch. And, you know, talking, let's go back to that 15-16 team just because we were talking about it. You know, you could have a Howerluck or a Quinville or you know, a, a Tim McGauley or one of those guys off the top line scoring the goals. But let, let's run this through for a second. On your third line, 
you had Stelio Matheos with Tanner Kaspic and Duncan Campbell. Like, that's a pretty good line. And even Ty Lewis and Connor Gutenberg as young guys on your fourth, fourth line. Fourth line, yep. Yeah, with uh, McCorster. That, those were really good groups, and you got all that secondary scoring. And I think we're seeing a little bit more of that this year than we have probably in the last couple of years uh, since that really great group graduated after the Regina Hub because that was a team that had tremendous depth too. Yeah, that that was the year that, I mean, if you're looking at junior hockey in terms of, you know, peaking and hidden valleys, that year that everything got shut down, we were in line. We're the hottest team in hockey at that point. And then in the hub, obviously went in, and that should have been probably our year, right? And then I went winning the hub, you know, thankfully, and at least did that, but could have been so much more that year. Well, that 2021 team was a team that, uh, well, I had identified, but it's not like I was alone in identifying that was the year. That's Braden Schneider's 19-year-old season. Ridley Gregg, 18. Yeah, right. You still had a ben bunch McCartney's of guys. Ben McCartney's 19. Yeah. yeah. Um, plus, they had all those assets in terms of draft picks that you could have traded in the 21 draft if you had been in a position where you were uh, going for it. You know, there were some good teams in the league that year, but Brandon was certainly one of the best. And to lose it to 24-game season where your home fans never get to see that team, you know, that's those are gates you never get back. That was a season that I think a lot of teams felt was a lost season. A lot of teams felt like their window slammed shut prematurely. Uh, I will say, though, having kept those 2021 picks, coming out of it with McQueen, Ellick, and Hadland, there's possibility of a new window opening up right there. Well, and, and you look at that in the peaks and the valleys, and you're looking at a team right now that is obviously on the upswing compared to the last couple of seasons. Uh, the prospects that are coming in the pipeline, uh, the production that we've already seen from these guys here this year. And Rob, you kind of mentioned, uh, I, I hope we don't jinx it, but yeah, I'm not going to wood. If and when Nate Danielson does get returned to the club, to get a guy like that, not only for the stat sheet, to, to add that, but what he did last year as co-captain of the club, taking that leadership role, knowing that now that Nolan Ritchie, you know, overager last year, moved on, this is his team. When he gets back in here to town, um, especially now coming from that whole Detroit experience and learning about what the Iser plan will be for him long term, you can bet it's going to be be a leader in Detroit. So I would hope that they would send him back here to show that this year, right? Traditionally, that is the thinking. Send him back, have him lead, have him dominate, and then be ready next year. I think, Hopefully. I think probably the Wheat Kings brass are getting a little more nervous as he plays so well. Um, Another I, goal last night. Yeah, exactly. He could be there for a while yet. To me, he has a chance to be the most complete player in the league this year, both ends of the ice. How many times last year, Chris, did we see Nate Danielson appear out of nowhere to break up a two-on-one or to catch a guy on a breakaway or something. And, you know, that that's your center down the ice. He's so defensively responsible, he comes back to make that play. I don't think he's anywhere near the lead in points because he's going to miss a month around Christmas probably with the junior team if he comes back. Plus, he's going to have a late start. But such an impactful guy. And I think of the kid that, uh, I first interviewed when he was 15 that was so, so quiet and just painfully shy. Not Ridley Gregg shy, but shy. Um, not Ridley Gregg nodding at me when I ask him a question shy. Uh, 
<laughs> Poor Ridley. That I translates should. beautifully on the radio, incidentally. In the newspaper, yeah, it's nodding. bad enough. Yeah, I'm trying to great. imagine yeah. that as, uh, in our line of work. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Nate has really kind of grown into himself. I don't know if you've noticed that, Chris, the oh, change yeah. in that young man over his time here. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, we, we talk, you know, even me and Rob off the pod earlier when he was just getting here, it was a prospect camp and everything. We're just saying like, when we get these kids in and they're 14, 15 years old, their first experience, they're overwhelmed by a lot of things. I'm not even talking about the, the hockey, just the being in a new city, being in the new building, having to talk to media really for the first time, or even getting in here to this the studio and doing the headshots with us and the video profiles. I mean, we've seen this, you're right, Perry, for like how many years when the kids come in, some of them at 14, 15 want to, you know, talk a little bit and they're kind of friendly, but most of them don't really want to say anything because they also don't want to, you know, stick out amongst their peers. They want to just kind of find their groove, get comfortable. Then they develop into that. A few guys show up and they're just characters right out of the box. Uh, Nate has been a guy that came and he was very quiet. He's also, when he came in, a lot of expectations. When you go in the first couple of picks of the draft, then obviously there's going to be, you know, a lot more pressure uh, weighing on you and you're expected to maybe act a certain way when they get in. And some kids don't know what that means. And to them, that means, well, I'm just going to shut up. I'm going to be quiet until I know what I should say. Uh, I'm not saying that's what Nate was, but sometimes there is that. But the way that he's developed from those one-word answers, being a little cautious, to last year taking a big movement uh, and just you know coming out of his shell a little more, it probably was for the best for him if he was going to be named co-captain. It's with a guy like Nolan Ritchie, who's also a little bit quiet, so it's not somebody who's going to just drown him out. They could actually share the room and the responsibility, and then now that leads into this, where, again, it's been in stages, right? So... The old mentality around here, and in a lot of junior hockey, you don't want to rush the kids, both on ice and off ice. You want them to grow and develop and and be ready. It seems like each year we've seen him from everything, even just the way he acts at media day, to, you know, before he left for camp this year, he was so excited to get down there, but he was already talking about, you know, if, if and when he gets back, like what he wants this year to be. And the guys know that. Everybody down there knows that when Nate gets back, He's the leader because before the season in the group chat, things were going through him is what I was told. It's interesting because I like if, if the team takes an eight to one beating, I'm not going to talk to a 16 year old. I'm not going to talk to a 17 year old. Even I want a leadership group guy. I want either an overager or your captain or something. And I took Nate aside before the season. I said, look, Nate, you're going to get some hard interviews this year where you're going to be asked to kind of explain what went wrong. And he was quite graceful about it. Now, he'd been an alternate captain before that, obviously, in the season before. But I, he really stepped into that role. And that was I, where I started to really notice the change in his personality, that he was willing to be more forceful. And from everything I've heard, he was a bigger presence in the dressing room last year, too. And one thing that you just absolutely nailed was one thing that we'd like to do around here is you don't want to put that 16, 17-year-old in the line of fire after a loss, right? It should be up to the leaders, up to the vets to be the ones who who have to answer for that. Um, but yeah, he's one of those guys. And the other guys who are wearing letters so far this year, even while Nate's gone, maybe you can speak to this, they've been doing fantastic at that as well, leading that room in Nate's absence. Well, yeah, I talked to Quinn the other night. Now, Quinn also has the advantage to having 40 IQ points on me, as we've uh, determined through the academic uh, awards system. If people, the yeah, if people don't know this, Quinn Manti is one of the smartest people, probably in Brandon at this point, even. <laughs> like, 
He, we could he, expand he that really scope, is intelligent. Honestly. We yeah. really could, but yeah, you and like I both 90, talked to him. Ninety-eight percent average, and then these advanced courses and hockey uh, IQ. Yeah, he's a very intelligent kid. But anyway, yeah. So a guy like him. Oh, absolutely. And then you've got you know your Highlands and your Jaden Weens and and Caden Sadrick Kang. These are guys that don't mind stepping up and talking when things are not going well. Hey, everybody wants to talk to me when they've scored two goals, and you know you've won by six. It's Who's going to step up when you just lost 8-1? to one? What's impressive to me is when a guy comes out after a loss, like the one against Swift Current on Wednesday where we both spoke to Quinn after, and they don't try to sugarcoat it. They take accountability for themselves and for the whole group, and they'll say, we weren't good enough tonight. We need to be better next time around. This is what we did wrong, and here's what we're going to do to be better at it. And Quinn gives thoughtful answers. It was a really good interview. Obviously, he's not in you know high spirits in that moment. They just lost a 6-2 hockey game, and they weren't happy with their effort. But he did a really good job for my money, and I know he did for yours as well. Absolutely. And here's something that I really like about hockey and the, the direction it's headed, where you've gone away from the old school coach, thankfully, who would throw a guy under the bus after a game. You know, that guy was terrible. I haven't dealt with a Wheat Kings coach yet who would ever single a player out. And fair enough, like they're teenagers. Uh, I think sometimes yeah. people think they're all in their 40s here or something. Uh, you know, you maybe have to give them a degree of slack that you you don't give an NHL player who's earning X amount a year. Yeah, that's right. you got to remember that, you know, these kids, they are here, most of them playing for their future in terms of just earning their scholarship, right? I mean, there's the hope that eventually a handful will turn pro. But we know the numbers. We're talking about two or three guys who will ever see maybe some NHL time. For but, quite a few of them, this will be the highest level they ever play. And it will yeah. be the closest to the pros they ever get. The atmosphere, the size of the rink, the production that goes on on your and my end and on your end as well, Perry. The media attention, the spotlight that's on them. This will be, in so many ways, the closest to the NHL that a lot of these guys come. It sure will. Uh, so we've got one more game here before the team gets onto the road for the annual U.S. road trip. It is a very fun game that is being planned. It is Pucks and Paws Night as the Calgary Hitmen are in town. The first time that the Wee Kings have ever done something like this. We've done Pucks and Paws before as a name. And, you know, we've done it for the Brand Humane Society. Had uh, Humane Society dogs here at least, you know, do some special dog-themed uh, things throughout the night. But never quite like this, where we are inviting you and your dog out to the game. What everybody was talking about, Perry, is seeing Fred and Barney up in the press box. Not That's all. That's all anybody wants. I'd have them on the pregame show, I'm telling you. Not a chance. I could not get any work with those lunatics behind me uh, barking and playing and wrestling and uh, two four-month-old puppies. Nobody needs that. <laughs> I no, mean, it would make the broadcast wildly entertaining. I'm picturing Brad Curl trying to get around, Brad Curley trying to get around the, uh, the puppy yapping in the background. Or, hell, I'll take him in the press box over on my side, too. I mean, uh, That's you know, right. That's right. Just leave him with Rob. That's all. It's Bring, bring the dogs, Have Barry. them announce the goals. I mean, your voice is a little scratchy, as, you know, with the cold going on. So if, yeah. if the Wheat Kings got like eight goals or something like that. I might need his help. That's right. Just hold the mic up to one of the dogs and let them, you know, puppy talk their way through it. People will know what he means. There you go. Bring them up. That's all I can say. Bring them up. <laughs> no, it's going to be a lot of fun here tomorrow night. We have got uh, the sections that are going to be for the dog zones. It's the first three sections on each side, the east and the west. So 101, 102, 103, uh, one. 20, 21, 22. 
That's where the dog uh, sections are going to be. We've got the Humane Society here. They're going to be selling the tennis balls for the tennis ball toss and the second intermission. As you come on in, now remember to have your dog hasped on the leash. They're going to have a waiver for people to sign as they do enter on in and sign the waiver and they get themselves a dog treat. But uh, all the special little fun stuff. I don't want to ruin it all here in the pod pair, but um, I put some time in this weekend to creating some fun stuff. And we are going to have a whole lot of uh, dog-themed fun at the game tomorrow night. I think it's going to be a hoot. Just out of curiosity, when you guys were doing your due diligence on this, I know that this is not a unique promotion. This is not the first time this has ever happened. Mm -hmm. You know, what have you heard from other sports even and from other hockey teams about what happened? We don't even actually, we actually don't even have to go outside the league to find an example of this happening. We were chatting a bit with the Saskatoon Blades who did something like that. To my bitter regret... Saskatoon is an arena, if you've never been, where the press box is very far removed from the seating area. So unfortunately, you know, being a huge fan of dogs that I am, I did not get to fully enjoy the Pucks and Paws night that they had. No broadcaster would because, again, you're, you're quite a ways away from the uh, from the seating area in Saskatoon there. But the Blades did do something like this, and the feedback was, yeah, it can be chaotic, but it's fun. Everybody has a great time. They got pretty good reviews out of that. Yeah, and we talked to a few other teams as well. Basically, the general idea was, or feedback was, people enjoy this because it's something unique, right? So are we going to sell out? Are we going to sell a 1,000 tickets because of this? No, but it gets people talking. It gets people having fun for a night. Um, you know, some people do have allergies to dogs, you know, of course. That's why we have these, you know, sections, and we're going to be moving people as they need, making it work. Um, but uh, from the standpoint, what we've heard from people is, Rob kind of said it was like that it was chaos but fun chaos um and especially when we go into all the different theme things with the dogs i'll tell you right now okay so we're gonna be doing some stuff like uh uh the um good dog cam instead of the fan cam we've got the simba cam where people be lifting him up kind of like simba and the lion king uh instead of the kiss cam it's the doggy kiss cam we got like doggy fails, uh, music videos. There's a whole bunch of stuff like that. So I think it's gonna be a very unique, unique night. I think people are gonna get a kick out of it. You know, for for an experience, it's gonna be something different. Are we gonna have you know 200 dogs here? No, no, I really don't think so. I would think that we probably 40 to 50 dogs. I would think would probably we come to this. Um, realistically, if we get more, that would be awesome. There's no real barometer for it, though. I think it's literally just we wanted to see what the you know how the market would react to it and if people would you know actually enjoy this. And 90% has been positive. The only 10% is people asking questions like that. I have a dog allergy. I'm not a big dog person. This or that. There's going to be lots of areas you can you know be and not have to interact with anything. But for everybody else. I think it's going to be just fun for one game to do something totally different. Every dog that's in the arena, like you said, 40 to 50, but any dog that's in the arena, we're, we're kind of in uncharted territory. We're kind of in a unique situation. Yeah. I did have a thought last night that I ran past a buddy of mine, and he laughed when I when I said it to him. Uh, was gaming with a friend of mine in Winnipeg last night, and in the background I could hear his two huskies basically arguing with each other. You know the way <laughs> yeah, huskies yeah, are. They, yeah. they talk to each other. And I thought to myself, wait, if we get like 40 or 50 or 100 dogs in this building, if you want to have some fun, Chris, just put a video on the big screen of a dog howling. See if you can get them all started. Maybe do it. If you want to be mischievous, maybe do it while the other team's calling a timeout. I don't know. Just see what you can uh, see what you can come up with on that one. I'm, I'm curious to see if you can start a rink-wide dog howl. So instead of the Freddie Mercury video that we play of him yeah. doing the crowd chant, we can do that. The, but with a dog howl instead. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right. Got the idea while listening to my buddies Huskies have a lengthy uh, repartee with each other. They were really debating something philosophical. It was very noisy, but I think you could get a couple dogs started. We could do that, and then we could play Ozzy Osbourne's Bark at the Moon. Oh, I love and that then we song do generally. A make, and then we could do a make noise meter. Yep. A I howl into Bark at the Moon. Yeah, okay. Oh. And just cat and bunny videos. Just have the dog going crazy watching that. <laughs> Trying to get on the ice. That's yeah. something I was thinking about, actually. We had a, a Belgian Malinois in the office earlier today for a special ceremony. We won't go into too many details yet, but I was thinking if somebody brings one of those like ultra high energy dogs and the tennis ball toss happens in the second That's what I was thinking of, too, actually, yeah. when Perry said that even. Yeah, like when we do the tennis ball toss, there's going to be hundreds of tennis balls thrown on the ice. There'll be some dogs down by the glass who would probably go and be pretty crazy. They want to get out there and be the dog that gets to go and pick a ball up. Some so. of these dogs, it's like it's instinctual. Oh, master throws ball, must go fetch. I wonder, are we going to see some, like I said, Belgian Malinois or German Shepherd or Border Collie or something like that trying to scale the glass getting onto the ice? If so, um, I'll be up in the booth. We'll have the I'll, cameras I'll ready, too. Have the cameras okay. ready. I'll have play-by-play -play ready. I'm ready for it. We're going to have that. Okay, good. So then we'd have the fog bowl and the pee bowl when the ice was destroyed <laughs> by dog urine, and they had to stop the game in the second period. We got a Zamboni, Perry. Would you stop it? We're going to Zamboni out if there. If you're going to have chaos, might as well go big on the chaos. That's right. Let's have some fun with it, right? Lean into so, it. Lean into it. It's, it's, just, it's, it's one of those junior hockey things. Uh, in, in any kind of sport, you know, these days, Win or lose, we need people to come and have fun at our games, right? Trying to create that environment of when you come to a Week King game, we want it to be enjoyable, right? Even on Wednesday night, if we happen to lose 6-2 versus, you know, some current Broncos, still want people to walk out smiling, being like, all right, that was still fun, right? So it's that it's that mentality of, of every game is something different, and then this will be. It'll be something new, something fun to experience, um, and it's only one game a year, right? So come on out, have fun with it, and then uh, when we get back, there's that game on the Thursday, and then the very next one is that Saturday night game, and that's turning into the last few years even bigger than home opener or other big games, Willie's birthday. This game's kind of taken on a life of its own between the great uh, sponsor support that we get the kids from the schools, the fact it's always right around that Halloween weekend and we get that natural tie-in, get all the kids dressed up, the indoor trick-or-treating. Um, the response last year was so amazingly big that this 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 is when we had like good problems with chaos. Our costume parade, if you remember this, Perry, it was too long. We had to cut it off and we got all these complaints of parents my kid didn't get to go on. If you're going to run it, you should have enough time. Listen, it was a great problem. We had hundreds and hundreds of kids show up in costumes. That's an awesome problem. I'm I'm sorry not everybody got on the ice, but I'm not sorry because it was it looked sweet. The intermission is 18 minutes long. Like we, we <laughs> you have only got so much time. time. That's right. You only got so much time. But uh, that game has turned into something just super super special. So on the calendar, that's kind of the next big big one. But that's still like three weeks away. So this one tomorrow night, a lot of time and effort been put into it. It is something uh, you know that that is new. So we'll we'll see if people uh, gravitate towards it. But it certainly had people around town talking this week. That's for sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know, while we're sitting here, what are you looking forward to on the road trip? Oh man, I always tell people being on the road one is one of the best parts of the job. Uh, and I could be sarcastic about it and say, well, the free food because you do get free food. It is pretty good. That's the teams do tend to feed you pretty well. It's just getting to have hockey really dominate your day in a way that even in a hockey office, it doesn't quite match. 
you're focused on the game. You're with the players and the coaches all the time. You're seeing them in environments you don't usually see them. And again, when game day rolls around, that is your whole day. You get to see cities that you probably wouldn't otherwise see. That's been the case for me traveling in the Western Hockey League. I've, I've come to really like, for instance, the city of Red Deer. But I can't imagine where in my travels otherwise, not working in hockey, I might have stopped in Red Deer. So you get to see these new places that you otherwise wouldn't. But I think, I think for me, it's being on the road with the team, with the guys, with the staff, and just experiencing it all together. That's one of the biggest parts. But there are a lot of aspects to the road that I do enjoy. Even the bus travel after a while gets to be fun. You can plow. Th- I, I read more books during the season than I ever do in the off season because I've got the bus travel to kill them on. The thing that amazes me, I, I haven't been on the bus a lot, but in the 15-16 playoffs I was, I remember the bus pulling out of the parking lot in Brandon. I believe it was at 3.30. And I bet you by 4 o'clock every kid on the bus was sleeping. Those kids are robots. It's amazing to me. I couldn't sleep on the bus at all. I still haven't quite mastered the art of sleeping on the bus. Getting better at it. Not quite there yet. Uh, the kids varying degrees of success at that. But as we've alluded to before, nobody touches Scooter. <laughs> scooter, it's like, you know, in, you know, in video games, RPGs, you go to a bed and you press the button. How long would you like to sleep? And your character sleeps for seven hours. I think Scooter can do that with his brain. I think he can lie down and be like, how long would you like to sleep? And he's in and out of it. It's incredible. And I don't think he's ever missed anything for falling asleep either. Like, he's never missed a deadline. He's never missed a, oh, shoot, I had to have this done by this time. He's he's on fuego when it comes to falling asleep on the bus. It's definitely got to be a skill. I, I for sure can do that. I think that there's probably people out there that think a junior hockey bus is Animal House. Like it's a bunch of lunatics, you know, throwing stuff and having fun and loud and music and everything. Maybe after a win for about 10, 15 minutes, Rob, right? Yeah, for, for after a win, the yeah. music's going pretty good. The guys are yelling. They're having a great time. And then, as you said, about 10, 15 minutes, almost on the dot, the overwhelming weariness from yeah. having just played a 60-minute hockey game and yeah. beating somebody in their barn sets in. And then once, by the time the lights of the city are behind you, chances are a good many of those kids are out cold like they're they keep it up pretty well and they've got some real energy when it starts but by the time you're out on the highway yeah guys are asleep and if they lose dead silent dead silent yeah it's not quite the days of there better not be any smiling on the bus after we lose or so help me i'll run you over because back in the, the old school coaching days you talked about before it's like this bus must be absolutely quiet from point of entry to point of exit when we lose a game. Not quite the same degree of severity this time around, but you won't hear the joking and laughing after a loss. You will find a much quieter atmosphere. Hopefully we don't have to deal with that a whole lot uh, on this road trip. Uh, the U.S. road trip, though, traditionally has been a very difficult one You know, for the team. It's early in the season, Still learning the structures, this and that, but use it as like you know, as a as as the bonding time. That that time is absolutely invaluable. And the last time I believe the the, the guys went through there, it was actually a winning record through the U.S. So um, you know, hopefully we're gonna have a good road trip. But before that, there's still the one uh, home game here. So Perry, while the guys are gone, what do you got uh, on the red and sun gonna be covering? I've got a pile of features because the game starts so late; it's past our deadline. So I'm going to be talking to Carson Bjarnason and Brett Hyland and uh, Del Pedrick. I have never done a full story on Del Pedrick. I got a whole bunch of stuff planned. You so are it's going, going to be a like lot of Del. You oh, are... he's a beauty. Yeah, yeah. 
for sure. Uh, I just get out of bed a little bit later. I don't have to go to the rink for practice. I could send the how, team. How much later could you already get out of bed? This is a guy I can't text before. Like, I feel like if I text you before 10, 30, 11 a.m., it's not going to be read. Well, you can text me. It's just not going to reach me. <laughs> I up, up at the crack of noon. Yeah. Uh, honestly, you, you've got my dream schedule on that one, Perry. I'm not a morning person despite wow. actually working in morning radio. So the idea of waking up at like noon, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that'd be okay. I would I would, I would, live with that I got just kids. fine. I got young kids. I could never do that. You I'm up y- at 7.30 anyway. Young kids and a dog. You're never yeah. sleeping in past yeah, 8 in the no, morning. No, no. But here's the flip side of it. I yeah, can... your dogs. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't tell me you're making your wife with the dogs out every morning. Or are the oh, do- no, no, have no. the dogs adjusted to your schedule? They're starting to adjust. Okay. They're doing okay. Mm-hmm. We have weird hours at our house. I can still be writing at 4 in the morning. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm, yeah. I get out of bed later. Because my house used to be really quiet at 4 in the morning. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Fred and Barney. But dogs do adjust. That was the thing. This used to drive my dad nuts. Our old Australian shepherd, Griffin, would get up at the crack of dawn every day and, you know, make him take him out for a walk. And then I was left with the dog when the, the family went on a vacation while I was in school. I had some time, some days where I was waking up pretty late and my dad was going, oh, you just wait. He'll wake you up at 5 a.m. Nine o'clock in the morning rolls around. I look over and the dog is over by the by the heating vent, sound asleep on top of it. And I'm waking him up and my dad comes home and I tell him that and he's grumbling about it. The dog wakes me up at five in the morning and he won't touch you before 930. They adapt. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, we could talk about dogs for another 30 minutes in this podcast. And I'd be completely fine with it. But it's replaced food I for think, today. I think we're going to get our dog fill here tomorrow night. Um, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are it's already going to be by the time this gets out, Friday night or Saturday morning at the at the earliest you're going to hear this. So uh, if you are going to be here for the game on Saturday night, we'd love to see you. If you want to bring your dog, like we said, it's going to be fun. If not, just come and enjoy it. It's going to be a fun night regardless. And then it's your last chance to see these guys before they hit uh, the road for that annual West Coast trip. Uh, so for the next two and a half weeks, this is your final chance. Come on down. Cheer on the Wee Kings. West of a place. It's happening on Saturday evening. Uh, before we go, let's go around the table for last thoughts for the last game. Perry, what are you expecting for the last game for the road trip? I would expect a little bit of eff- a better effort than the other night. You know what? It's a 68-game season, and you're going to drop a turd in the punch bowl every now and again. That just wasn't a good game for them. They have to be better. It seems like talking to the coaching staff and the players, they understand that. So, uh, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to win, but I think you're going to see a better effort. I'd agree with you on that one. I'd also say that turd in a punch bowl is such an outstanding saying that I'm going to try to work it into a broadcast one of these games. (laughs) But I think you'll see a better effort, and I think you're going to see a pretty hard-fought game. The Hitmen tend to live up to their name. They tend to be a pretty physical group. I've been looking over their roster. They're a big group. They've got a lot of guys who are not shy, and the Wheat Kings have shown this year they'll push back when they're pushed. So I think you're going to see a pretty intense game. Well, for the fans' sake, I hope that you're both right. Uh, From the players' sake, I hope that we're all right on that as well. Uh, I know that the mood after that game uh, on Wednesday was, uh, was one of a little bit, like, ashamed. And I think it was because everybody can uh, you know, kind of attest to this, remember this, when, when you're younger, the worst thing your parents could say is that they're disappointed in you, right? People weren't mad. People were disappointed in the effort and the lack of, and that almost stuck worse with the players through this week of them knowing like, oh, like fans weren't mad. They were just disappointed. 
And that's so much worse. So you know that uh, the practices have been high energy. Uh, the guys have had them out there moving their feet. The coaches knew it was an un- unacceptable effort. I think we're going to see a complete turnaround and a much different atmosphere from the guys tomorrow. Interestingly enough, Kelly McCrimmon used to say that when you had, remember sometimes you'd have a team come in and play Friday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday or something. So you'd play the same team twice if they were from a ways away. Kootenai used to do it. Kelly always used to say it was so hard to beat the team on the second night if you beat them on the first night. And I thought that that was just sort of an extension of that where they just weren't as good the second night. Nobody wants to be beaten twice in the same building, especially not when you're Swift Current and you got 10 Manitoba boys with friends and family in the stands. That was always going to be a tough game. They made it a little tougher on themselves, no question, but it was always going to be tough. The most disappointing thing for me that night is, well, Kuhi mentioned this, uh, I really like Zach Turner, like as a as a human. I like Zach. I wish him nothing but the best. But I just knew he was going to get his first career WHL point against us, and that's what happened. Not only that, he got his first two. That was his first career point, and it came here. So, congratulations, Zach Turner. I wanted to say your name on our side. Didn't get to do it, but uh, yeah, a lot of Manitoba connections on that team. Uh, but uh, now, because Swift is still in the Central for this year, that's it. Now we're going to get to uh, Swift a couple times, but we're not going to see him, uh, I don't think. I think we have no, one, more, more, one more with them. Yeah, they, we've got the right. weird thing this three year to make up for Winnipeg being gone. Yeah. yeah, They were the ones who drew the short straw and have to come east the extra time. So, And then next year, though, thankfully, they get back to where they should be, which is in our division, and then we'll have a regular schedule against them. So... Weird how not having Winnipeg here for 19 games is uh... <laughs> so nice, though, too. Uh, it seemed both. like they were here every two weeks last season and seasons before. Oh, nice for me. That's the easiest road trip in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you just said you like your bus trips, Rob. Enjoy I do it. like my bus Enjoy trips. Enjoy them all. But I go home to Winnipeg and sometimes mom gives me cookies. <laughs> oh, there you go. I like yeah. cookies. Yeah, me too. I would have brought some back for the office. But no, they had to relocate to Washington. There's no cookies there. <laughs> all right. Well, you got a dog there too. Tell your parents, bring the dog, bring the cookies. They got to be here tomorrow. I've been trying to tell okay. them that. It's been a it's been an uphill battle. Let's put it that way. All right. Awesome. Uh, this has been the Weekly Harvest. Perry, thank you so much for coming on by this week. Appreciate it. And uh, this has got to put you in the lead for the most appearances on the pod, right? I think Rich and I were tied. I think this puts me ahead again. There you go. We've got to get him back on. This I was going to say, our next guest thing. just got lined up. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's, everything is happening. All right, Perry, thank you so much. Rob, thank you so much. Uh, my name again, Chris Falco. Big thanks for you guys for tuning on in. The Weekly Harvest, we will talk to you again next week. Even though the team is gone, we're going to figure this out, Rob. We'll do some kind of digital thing and whatever. But uh, the, the the pod is called The Weekly Harvest for a reason. So we'll talk to you again uh, next week. Until then, have yourself a good one. Cheers.